Hello, hello. Welcome back, Leading Woman in Tech. How are you doing? How is your week going so far? I hope it is as splendid for you as it is for me around here. I am just leaning into all the feels this autumn. Obviously, spring, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. Hello, hello, those listeners in the Southern Hemisphere. I know we have a number of you. But in the Northern Hemisphere, where I am, definitely leaning into summer has drawn to a proper close. It's getting windy, it's getting chilly, I've been seeing friends, just leaning into the Christmas vibes coming my way. I think I'm going to go extra sparkly for Christmas this year because I kind of like didn't really do Christmas very well last year, well, with lockdown Christmas and all that. So (laughs) this year I am going to be leaning into Christmas and I'm already thinking about it all. I'll admit, I've just got back from seeing a friend of mine in town and on the way home, I was listening to Christmas jingles. Do not judge. I'm not going to judge you. Don't judge me. <laughs> it doesn't do us any favours to judge each other. So let's just deal with the fact that I'm here for sparkle this year. So I'd love to know, are you here for sparkle? Are you leaning into Christmas coming? Tell me if it's exciting to you. Tell me if you're like, yeah, Christmas isn't really your thing. As always, you can find me over on all the social media channels. DM me wherever you're like, I love to hear from you. But let's lean in to today's episode. Today, I have another inspiring woman in tech to speak to you. We're joined today by the amazing Shikha Kapoor. And although she's moderately early in her career, normally I have more. And many of my interviews are with women who have been working in tech for 20 years plus, who are in senior leadership positions. But I met Shikha and she has such an inspiring story to share with you. I was like, you know what? We need to be showcasing this kind of lady as much as those more senior, more mature, have done all the things kind of ladies as well. So hopefully this is the first of many where I'm showcasing women earlier in their careers. Hey, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I would love to do that, reach out to me. I want to showcase you. I bet you've got an inspiring story. And you know what? If we share that story, we're going to inspire other women. Each and every one of us is inspiration to somebody. So share what you have, because I believe me, it's going to do greatness to the world. If you'd like to be showcased, reach out to me on LinkedIn or wherever you fancy meeting me. (laughs) Let me know and I will have a chat with you and see if you're a good fit for the podcast. But without further ado, let's get to who Shika is and what she's going to be talking about on the show. So Shika is a project leader, innovator and former entrepreneur currently leading task management products for the Google Assistant. Previously, she helped build the first ever Google Assistant powered smart displays and was the forefront of creating this path breaking innovation in ambient computing. She has a bachelor's and master's in computer science from Delhi and an MBA from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. So, without further ado, let's get her onto the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, This is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Shika. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It is amazing to be here as well. I'm really excited. 
Oh yeah, I'm totally excited. I mean, we've just been laughing a little bit as we've been getting ready to record. <laughs> like, I think we're both quite excited about this this particular recording. Well, can you just give us a little bit more of a history around your personal story, your career history, how you came to work as a product leader at Google? Uh, so I was born in a little town in India. It's um, And growing up, I was really excited about basically learning everything that was going on around me but i was particularly excited about science and maths and uh, but the, but we didn't really have many resources like there was no internet at least in that area at that time can you imagine a world before google existed uh, or, or google was there but we we didn't have access to it i think <laughs> that and i had never used a computer in my life in my high school and i But I was really hungry about learning. So I used to find any resource I could, like books and libraries, etc. And then at one point, I remember in my seventh grade, uh, one of my teachers was talking about the best colleges in India for undergrad education. And she mentioned the IITs and she said, like, you know, this is where people go to to learn science and to learn engineering. I had no idea what that, what that college was, what it took to get there, where it was. But I was just like sitting there thinking, okay, that's where I'm going to study. Because I just really wanted to learn from the best. So I came back home and I told my parents that that's where I'm going to go after my school is over, after my high school is over. And they had no idea either. There's like, what is that? What do we need to do to get there? I was like, I don't know, but let's figure it out. So in that sense, I've been lucky to have very supportive parents. And then we kind of started figuring out, talking to people we knew and the people they knew. But And finally, we went, uh, we found like one of my mom's colleague's daughter who had kind of prepared for the undergrad examinations in India. But she didn't get through, but like she knew uh, to that school, um, but she knew how to like prepare for it. And the first thing she told my parents is like, you know, you should move her to a bigger city want her to get resources to prepare for getting into that college. You're wasting her talent, keeping her here. And overnight, my parents moved. I think that's the biggest gift they've given to me um, in my life. And I prepared really hard and I got into computer science at IIT without like ever having coded before. And I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah, from there, it's been like, uh, you know, I remember having severe imposter syndrome, especially in my first year, because I was surrounded by people who I thought were much, much smarter than me and people who had already done a lot of this before. Like a lot of my classmates had been coding since they were four years old, for example, you know. And so it was learning to to trust myself, learning to have a growth mindset no matter where I go and learning to always remind myself that that I chose to take on a stretch goal. I chose to take on something that was much beyond my comfort zone. And sure, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to help me grow. I graduated IIT and then I went to work as an engineer in a few companies in India. Uh, After a few years, I started a startup of my own in India as well. Um, And after a point, I wanted to work on cutting edge tech in Silicon Valley and like wanted to bring those innovations to market. So I chose to come here uh, in the US. I chose to do an MBA in Chicago. And uh, after there, I did an internship at Google. And then after that, I I came to Google as a product manager. And I still work here as a product lead for one of our Google Assistant uh, products. That is, it's just just incredible listening to you talk about this, partly because although you're relatively early in your career, you are mentioning things such as learning to have a growth mindset. 
And you talk about that while you were in your first degree. Like, I know possibly no one who is aware of the definition of growth mindset that young. Um, and and you, you mentioned, I chose to take on a stretch goal. I chose to step out of my comfort zone. The very fact that you use the word chose rather than I did this, I did that, or I can't, or I won't, right? You recognize the power of the mind. You recognize, I should just be recording a training on like basically the word choice rather than I can't or I won't, right? I, why do you think you had that, that young? I mean, that's extraordinary. I think, um, so one is I grew up around my grandmom. She was, she remains my biggest inspiration in life. She came to India as a refugee uh, from India-Pakistan's partition. And growing up in like whatever, 1910, she wanted to be a lawyer. But at, at the time, girls were not allowed to study law. Like, can you imagine? I can't imagine living in a world where like girls are just not allowed to do something. I've heard of worlds where girls were not allowed to vote or girls were not allowed to go to college. And I am so proud of all these pioneers who made those changes. So anyway, she didn't study law, but she studied to be a teacher. And then this whole partition thing happened and she lost everything she had and she came to India as a refugee. And then she chose to set up one of the earliest schools in my town. She went door to door, like literally nudging people to send their children to school. And she is single-handedly, she was single-handedly responsible for basically educating almost everyone in my dad's generation. Like almost 70,000 people studied in that school over the years. And just changing the face of how that city worked. So growing up, I had no idea, I, you know, I will take computer science or I will work in technology. I actually wanted to be a doctor for a while. But but I knew that whatever I did, I wanted to work on leaving the world better than I found it. And I also knew, looking at how she lived her life, that you you make your life, you know, like you can be thrown into the worst of circumstances. I can't imagine having harder circumstances than she was thrown into. Like, you're doing pretty well. You leave everything, your house, your belongings. You're fighting to to basically see if you're going to live or not. You come in as a refugee. And then you, you do something to, like, not just sustain and support yourself and your family, but also are able to create such a big impact with what, what your actions are into the world and what your choices are. So I, I, I obviously did not know the fancy words that I'm saying right now, like growth mindset potentially, but but I knew that, you know, anything is possible and it's up to you. You really make your life and you you have an ongoing, the beauty of that is you have an ongoing opportunity to change your life at any time by changing your choices. It's not a done deal. Like it's not like I made a bad choice and oh, now my life is doomed. No. You can change your choices at any time. So that's that's just the core principle at which I try to live by. I also read this book very young called The Alchemist, which is also like it's it was just such a beautiful fairy tale. It's a lot about the universe can help you in manifesting what you want. But I think the core of that was like you can make anything happen if you are committed enough to it. And that's kind of the core message that like stuck with me since years after like reading this book I, I think I was in high school when I read that book wow well and this is a little bit off topic but um I think something that many people would like to know if you have any insights on it which is so many of us are either mums or maybe we are going to be mums I'm not but I know much of the audience is and one of the things is we really want the best for our, our daughters 
right? We've we fought the fight ourselves and we want it to be better for the next generation. I know that drives so many of the women I work with, which is admirable. What do you think that we could be doing as parents, as society to help young girls have that growth mindset to understand that they have more choices than perhaps society currently suggests to them? Because uh, the reason that you're, I'm saying you're extraordinary is because it is so unusual to meet somebody who got that so young, even if they didn't have the terminology to call it that. What do you think we could be doing differently? Well, I think I've been lucky to have parents who've let me make my decisions, even if there have been times when they did not think they would be right decisions. <laughs> and I think that's something very few parents do just from my experience. It's like really simple things. You know, somebody I know once told me a story that he had, um, when his daughter was young, she was in the kitchen and she was going to like, she, she was getting close to like putting her hands on a hot burner. Most parents I know would like really freak out on that and like, no, don't do that and take them away. What he chose to do instead is he chose to say, if you do that, your hand would burn. So in that moment, you are teaching her that it's her choice to do it. You are empowering her and informing her about the consequences that choice might have. But you're not taking the power of her choice away from her. You are like letting her make the choice and experiencing it. And there's just so many micro moments throughout our day that we do that, uh, you know, with people, not just kids, but like people we care about, people we may be mentoring. We want to be protective of them. We think we know a lot. We are more experienced. We are more wise. We want to like proactively tell them what to do and what not to do. But I think in the long run, it's it's it takes a lot of practice because it's against the automatic way of functioning. But but it's helpful to always, 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 always give them the the ability to make decisions that are going to impact their lives and. Uh, give them all the information they need, give them all the inputs they need, but let them make their decisions. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I, I, I love the fact that you tied it to mentoring as well, because you're right, like it doesn't just start with children. And it's, it's incredibly hard to watch a child hurt themselves, right? Um, and you know, there are clearly things that we should be interfering on, right? Stepping in front of a bus. No, we're not going to let that one happen. But, you know, th there are lines, of course. But I like the fact you brought it all the way back to mentoring and therefore on topic because a lot of us are mentors. A lot of us receive mentoring. And one of the mistakes I see a lot as people come and work with me as a coach is they've had a bad experience in mentoring and they think mentoring is awful and toxic because the mentors haven't understood that you're there to open their eyes to things, not to shut them down. You're there to show them 10 different ways of doing things rather than saying, this is the way to do it. And I, I don't think many of us really get that as mentors until we've received it the wrong way. And I, I think it's one of the reasons why actually as women, we're far less likely to be mentors, statistically speaking. Two thirds of women refuse to mentor. And I think probably because, I don't have the data on this, but probably in my opinion, because they've had a bad experience of mentoring in their, in their own right. So I think that's a that's an interesting insight, but let's let's get back on track to you and your career. I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about what it means to be a product lead at Google. Give us a day in the life or a, a week in the life of a product lead at Google. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, product managers at Google are responsible for basically understanding what users want, having a deep understanding of that, understanding where the business landscape is going, 
and where technology is evolving into, especially if you are working on cutting edge products such as the Google Assistant, and kind of marrying that intersection of business technology and customer. to kind of figure out what solutions we should be building for our users so that's first step the second step is you basically work on bringing that solution or that proposal to life that involves anything from going and pitching to senior leadership to ask for resources and convince them of your ideas and get them funded and then once you have a team how do you ongoingly motivate and empower your team and inspire your team with your vision and make sure they are bought into the vision and they think it's their vision as well so that then they are able to like empower to kind of give the best work of their lives so basically working on that vision together into what we call as a road map which is like a series of small steps that you break the vision into as to okay i want to conquer the moon <laughs> but here are like 100 steps to get there you know like uh so that you can kind of and then finally at each of those steps you want to test them out in the market in as kind of inexpensive fashion as possible as quickly as possible to start getting feedback real feedback on is your hypothesis even sticking because the original vision you came up with was is generally based on data but it's still a hypothesis you have the real test of it is when rubber meets the road when like your users actually try your things out and then you kind of you have to be the ears and eyes of the user to like interview them look at the data on how the product is being used and then take all of that qualitative and quantitative feedback into account to see which of your hypothesis worked versus didn't in in most of the cutting edge innovative products not all of your hypothesis are going to work because the you know the the space is evolving so rapidly but then the trick is to really double down on what's working and kind of build more from there basically so it's a very data driven and insight driven process as well as very iterative process where we really think about the the core job of a product manager is to be the voice of the customer in any room they are in to champion for them to advocate for them to always think for what's best for our users and how we can make their lives better the mission of google is to provide uh, you know organize the world's information so how can we be most helpful to our users basically hmm that's a really interesting set of insights that i think a lot of us have this assumption that big companies and small companies do things like product very differently because engineering it's very different as an engineer in a very small company you will do loads and loads of things uh, an engineer in a big company you will have a much tighter remit like you've you aren't going to use quite the breadth of skills and experience potentially you you develop depth instead but from what you've just described to me you have as broad a scope as a product lead as you would if you worked in a small startup would you agree with that Yes and no I think it's slightly different based on the stage of the company at Google we are impacting users at millions and billions of users mm. scale right and then so definitely I think the processes and checkpoints we put in place to ensure we build the right products for them are very different so in general the product development process is very different and then the second thing is a lot of google products if if they like if they are really about making that magical impact on users you have to work with other areas of google beyond just your own team so for example last year i launched something on like how do we show google assistant on google search so you can go to your google search and search for things like 
you know, when is Diwali and it will show you a date and you can set a Google Assistant reminder for it. That's almost like working with a different company within Google because it's an, a whole organization in itself. So I would say that that a lot of product manager skill set in a big company is about driving that alignment within the company as well as outside the company if you're working with external stakeholders, driving that alignment at all levels of the organization and sometimes hundreds of people are involved. And even at the level of key decision maker, like 10, 20 key decision makers must be involved. So you as a product leader is responsible for like championing your vision to all of them and making an entire organization move in that direction which sometimes could be very different in a smaller company, obviously, depending on the size of the company. But you may not need to do a lot of that in a smaller company. In a smaller company, you may just be focused on your own specific team and your own specific area. So in that sense, I think the day-to-day of the job is quite different. Mm, I, I And I really wanted to highlight that because I think a lot of people convince themselves that hey I've only ever worked in small companies I one I don't like big companies or without actually having worked in one or two I can't get a job in a big company and actually vice versa I've worked with people who've worked in a big company and they think you know the startup space is not for me it's it they have a lot of assumptions and this conversation just highlights to me what I have seen over and over again, which is actually you can always transition backwards and forwards. And you know what? You learn so much from moving from big to small and small to big, whichever direction. Variety is the spice of life. Yeah, I made transitions. I was working in startups and then I came to Google. And then even within Google, I like to call myself an entrepreneur, like basically because I think entrepreneurship is not something that you have to do a startup of your own. It's a it's a way of being and a skill set and how you operate mm. that you bring to the table. And you can bring that to the table in any organization you're in. Like, you know what? So so I would encourage people to kind of go the next level and really, like you said, think of your transferable skill set, irrespective of where you go. Like, what are some of the skills that this job requires and how do I bring those skills to the table? So, for example, you've if you've been an entrepreneur, you are potentially pretty good at taking risks. You are pretty good at navigating a lot of ambiguity. You are pretty good at challenging the status quo and like seeing things differently. And that is a skill any company wants. Big companies want that more than anyone else. So don't be afraid to bring those skills to the table. And I've brought those skills to the table in every single project that I've done at Google. And that's been responsible for like a lot of the successes out of the projects that I've had. I love that you said that. I mean, obviously, I am an entrepreneur these days. Um, I had a successful tech career before I started my own business. And with the benefit of hindsight, I I absolutely, I didn't know this at the time. So again, great insight here. But with the benefit of hindsight, I now know that one of the reasons I was so successful in my tech career, my corporate career, was because I have a natural entrepreneurial mindset. I don't have it all, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of self-doubt, who doesn't? But like, it is. there is some sort of natural tendency in me. I love a challenge <laughs> and I'm very stubborn. And I think you're right. If we can actually bring those into our corporate careers as well. And by the way, you can learn these skills, ladies. Like if you're listening and thinking, well, that's just not me. You can learn these skills. I didn't have them 20 years ago. Absolutely not. Very risk averse 20 years ago. Uh, but it really, it can be a bit of a game changer as you're highlighting it. But 
let's let's go back to a few of the things that I you and I chatted about before we hit record. You told me something that stuck with me the very first time we met. You said, a lot of the people giving advice are well-intentioned well-wishers, but they don't necessarily know it all. Can you explain what you mean by that? Stuck with me for some obvious reasons, but tell us what you mean by that and, and tell us how we can leverage that understanding to help ourselves more. Yeah, I think it's it's less of what they don't know it all. I think they, they, they may not know what works for you because you are unique. I know most people don't like to believe that. And and that sounds very, I don't know uh, how to say it. That sounds very fussy, but very fuzzy. But it is the truth. There is only one of you, you know, and there may be people who are close to you. Um, I I have a lot of, uh, like, I think we also spoke about, I really think to get from where you are today to wherever you want to go, you, you want to have a lot of conviction, but you also have the right support system of mentors and peers and, you know, people who you can learn from and you can take advice from. So I absolutely, definitely encourage that. And at the same time, those the everyone who's giving you advice, first of all, I, I don't think, uh, I think we should, we should trust that they have the right intentions for you. They want you to, uh, they want you to perform the best. They want the best life for you. And at the same time, a lot of the advice is coming from their particular experience, which is valuable. And the way I do it is like take everyone's advice, but in the end, kind of listen to yourself and listen yes, to what yes, listen yes. to what, what <laughs> works for you. Because again, there's only one of you in the world and you are unique. The life experiences you have had, the skill sets you have built, what you consider as priorities in your life, what excites you, what motivates you is only unique to you. Nobody else knows what you know. Only you know about yourself. So I think it's it's really, really important to not let all the information and advice you receive to, to crowd your inner voice and your judgment, basically. I 100% applaud everything you just said. I mean, I at the end of every episode, I talk about our power of as our uniqueness, like our unique set of lived experiences, our unique set of skills. There, you're right. You're so right. Like there is only one you, and that is the beauty of what you bring to everything you touch, everything you invent, everything you innovate, everything you work with. It's your unique set of experiences. So I just love that you said that. <laughs> just, yeah. But I, you, you mentioned there that the support system, right? The mentors and all that sort of stuff and, and taking those 10 opinions and then forming your own, which it's kind of like exactly what I say to my clients. Like, go and get the opinions and then make your own decision and be okay with that. Have the confidence to do that. But let's dig into our support systems. You mentioned mentors. What else do we need? What do we need to really accelerate our careers, especially as women where we don't have the more formal or informal support structures that a lot of our male peers have? Yeah, I think it's really important to find the right environment around you, uh, which, which is obviously your mentors, but the peers you work with, the managers you have, um, possibly allies and sponsors that open doors for you and that more than that that see the potential in you and those who nurture you so you know for example I remember when I came to Google I was right out of business school I was pretty fresh 
and i was like literally two weeks into my time at google and i was um given google's most strategically important project at that time to work on which was launching google assistant's first ever smart displays and uh, and i know that my director advocated for me he said no let's give shikha this opportunity and i think my career trajectory would have looked very different and if he would have not given me that opportunity and he would have not trusted me with that i would say that there were times i did not trust myself with that i remember having conversations with my manager on like this is a device that's going to be in millions of people's homes and i am basically responsible for figuring out how the platform works how the hardware of that device looks like what should the camera be on the device what should the angle of view of the camera be and like there were times i was like hey wins what if i get this wrong and i was like so what if you get it wrong we are all here to cheer for you we are all here to support you but this is your product this is you are the leader of this product and you are the decision maker you go figure it out and you make your decisions and we'll be here when you get it wrong so i know it's it takes a lot to find an environment like that but mm-hmm. but that's that's what makes a lot of difference and you know when um just to take a little bit of step back when i was talking to multiple teams at google for my first role this this was the team i chose to work with even though uh, it was relatively a small team within google at that time it was called android things and but i spoke to my manager and my manager's manager and and i knew they would be the type of people who would like really have the back of their team so kind of and again it goes back to the point of trusting your intuition and trusting what works for you i made the choice to work with that team even though there might have been other opinions and people thought that may not have been the best choice or you know that was relatively small team within google etc but then that team gave me the biggest opportunity to to have like the the project that that i am the proudest of in my career so really like i think it goes to like giving weightage to the people you work with and finding like taking that extra step to find people who would who would root for you who would support you who would mentor you and who would like really really help you shine and they may sometimes not look like the, the you know the coolest or the sexiest jobs but but over time in my career i've seen those to do have the most growth experiences basically yeah 100% back that one as well in that we do at various points in our career especially early on in our career we need people who are going to back us who are going to challenge us they're going to hold their belief for us because we can't because of our imposter syndrome or our self doubt like all sorts of things going on actually and it's interesting that you know that was a small team it didn't seem like a great opportunity and it's turned into this enormous thing for you because that actually that level of leadership also go ha- goes hand in hand with success for a team a lot of the time i suspect that the success i mean don't get me wrong there's also a market but part of the success of that team is that leadership style that you've experienced the benefit of so that's another little nugget i also do just want to point out the flip side which is early on in our careers this is really really powerful for us to have that level of support but some of the great things come when you start realizing you can have that for yourself you have your support network externally like mentors allies advocates in the broader community and then you step out and you do something in a in a company where there isn't that support because suddenly you are the one doing the extraordinary things and i've seen a number of women do this i did that 
it's hard. It's extraordinarily hard. But I think we want to aim for a mixture of the two in our careers until until we've made the world a better place by changing leadership, which is the goal here, right? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely uh, agree. And I think I would absolutely caveat that, that that what I just said, the story I just shared is mm. about when you are earlier in your career. And I think one of the other things I talk about is what got you here won't get you the, the next step, right? So the type yes. of support structure you need and what kind of support you need varies very differently than what stage you are in your career and what your goals are. Now also I have uh, I have mentors and I think but the conversations I have with them are very different. Yes, you get to steer your own ship. Actually, which brings us to a, a nice question about you. What what's next for you in your career? Have you got any ideas at this point? I think I really enjoy working on challenging problems and uh, that's basically what I look for. I look for basically where are the green field areas that I can go impact, that I can go build next products on. And I can kind of, my unique skills are about, because I I have a bachelor's and master's in computer science and a deep understanding and I'm passionate about technology. So my unique skills have been around like bringing that cutting edge technology into like commercial products that people can use. So that always, that's always what drives me. And I'm, I'm always kind of that's basically what I always look for is where are the opportunities, where are the projects that help me take that to the next level of tech, next level of scope that I own, next level of leadership, uh, etc. Oh, I can't wait to see what you do. <laughs> I, it's an exciting, exciting story to watch unfold here. Um, but let's let's kind of wrap this one up because you and I could talk all day, I reckon. But at the end of every episode, I love to give listeners a simple mindset shift to help them adjust how they act or think on the topic of today's podcast. So I'd love for you to offer one highly actionable mindset shift that people can make to help them move forwards faster in their career and really thrive because that's what I've seen you do. You're thriving. I think this, I really liked a tip one of my mentors gave me once, which is like, you know, people keep like journals or diaries of gratitude where like they write about what am I grateful for. So that's great as well. But the tip I'm talking about is basically writing a diary of your wins, like what you're proud yes. of, what you've accomplished. And and a lot of times, at least I do this, uh, you know, in an automatic way, the bar for what I consider a win is like very, very high. Like, okay, I launched the next big thing, <laughs> but it's important yeah. to really celebrate all those hundreds of small wins you have every day. For example, like I was really tired today, yet I chose to woke up and go for a workout, you know, or go for a run. So, or like I ate really healthy today. Every investment you're making in making your life better kind of helps you be a better professional that shows up at work. So just really remember to celebrate and write down all of your wins because a default mode for all of us and that's definitely true for me is to kind of be really high on self-criticism and really high on beating ourselves up for all of our mistakes and our failures this doesn't kind of take that away but it does a good job of starting to kind of balance that out a little bit yeah, I, I I, mean, all of my clients get lectures from me on creating, I would call it a success log, but exactly the same thing. Like, let's start tracking how great you are, because it is all those small things that enable those big shiny things, right? Like, it isn't the big thing that actually is the success. It's all the little pieces that got you there. And I think we missed that point. 
which also means that when we do have a big thing, we move on from it really quickly. So I love that. Um, we should all all be celebrating our wins every single day. I love that. Oh, how can people connect with you? How can people find out more about you and stay in touch? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is great. Um, and yeah, that's how I've connected to a broader community as well. So LinkedIn is awesome. Awesome. I will make sure that her URL is in the show notes if you're listening and you want to connect with Sika. But Shika, have you any final thoughts you would like to share with the audience today? Never stop believing that you you are the maker of your life. You create your life. You Your life is created by your choices, which means that if there's something you want to change, you can make a different choice and you can change it at any time. So like really don't give up on your dreams and believe in yourself. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your insights, your words of wisdom today. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Um, and I hope, I hope some people are inspired to come and have a look at working at Google as well. <laughs> I hope so too. It's a great place, guys. Thank you. Oh, good. Isn't she just such an inspiration? I adored interviewing Shika. I just, she's one of these women who I reckon she walks into rooms and lights the world up because I certainly felt lit up by just interviewing her over Zoom. And I hope you did too, just listening to her, hearing her story. Remember, whatever stage of your career you're at, it's never too late to try new things, to go all in and to be open to inspiration. If you want to connect with Shuka, don't forget you can find her on LinkedIn. The link is in the show notes. But until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.